الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحج اشهر معلومات فمن فرض فيهن الحج فلا رفث ولا فسوق ولا جدال في الحج وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الحج المبرور ليس له جزاء الا الجنه او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وسبكت بعض ما يكرم بردنا الدرس رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وسنت الله تبارك وتعالى as the most perfect example for humanity and everything about rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was to the point of perfection and was a lesson was an example for all of us and for the people till qiyamah to discuss any aspect of the mubarak life of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is filled with blessing filled with great barakat and noor and after all this is one of the rights of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam upon us one is the right of his muhabbat every mu'min has to have the deep love for nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam so muhabbat e rasul then together with muhabbat e rasul is zikr e rasul the discussion about rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam but the discussion and the muhabbat must bring ita'at e rasul the obedience to the way of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and that too together with that not only the physical obedience but fikre rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam the concern and the mindset that nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam had to develop that thinking that mindset to prefer that which nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam preferred to dislike that which he disliked and then together with that to then make an effort to continue with the mission of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam the responsibility that he left upon the ummah so in any case one of these rights of nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam is zikr e rasul to discuss his mubarak life to discuss his personality and among the things of his life one of the very great aspects was that ibadat which is farz once in a lifetime and that is hajj and nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam performed hajj so obviously that hajj that every bit of that hajj was a lesson for the whole ummah so at the time of juma we discussed the khutbat and the various sermons that rasulullah sallallahu alaihi discussed some lessons from there in the short time that we have 35 35 40 minutes that we are that is available a brief discussion about the hajjatul wada itself <coughs> the purpose and the object there are many lessons that come along from the various incidents that took place obviously this is a subject matter which is dealt with in great detail by the muhaddithin and this itself is something very unique about the hajj of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam that the sahaba ikram recorded it in such detail such minute detail that it, when a person reads the ahadith it is like this whole hajj is happening in front of him every 
minute detail is recorded. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam applied itar at the time of ihram. When was this? Who presented that itar to him? Which limbs he applied that itar on? He had cupping done due to some pain while on this journey of hajj. Which spot, which place in the journey, where did this cupping take place? Who did the cupping? Which limb was this cupping done on? Imagine all these minute details. Certain things are not even directly related to the hajj itself. But were occurrences that took place on the journey. Even those minute details are mentioned. And this was the love of the Sahaba Ikram. That their intense love for Rasulullah was such that they observed every aspect of his life and especially this journey of hajj. Everything was observed very, very closely. And together with that, everything was preserved. They kept it preserved for the ummah. This itself is a very great testimony of their love. Unfortunately, you find people having all kinds of ill thoughts about Sahaba Ikram. There are people making kinds of comments against them. Na'uzubillah, some make these kind of comments that after Nabi Islam left the world, the bulk of the Sahaba Ikram, Na'uzubillah, turned murtad. These are things that the Shia speak about, which are totally against any kind of evidence and the Quran Sharif itself speaks about the rank of the Sahaba. وَإِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمْ آمِنُوا كَمَا آمَنَ النَّاسِ The Munafiqeen were commanded, you bring Iman like the Iman of the Sahaba. Their Iman was made the standard. So in any case, they recorded this entire journey in very close detail. We can only barely touch on a few things and take the lessons and the ibrat from it. When Rasulullah had been now in the 10th year of Hijrah, so the entire time in Makkah Mukarramah had passed, then Madina Munawwara, 9 years had passed in the 10th year after Hijrah. And this was right at the tail end of the Mubarak life of Rasulullah As mentioned earlier, that it was barely 3 months before he left this dunya. So at this time, all the ahkam had been revealed. Very few ahkam came in after this. And in fact, on Hajjatul Wada, that ayat of the Quran Sharif came, Al-Yawm Akmaltu Lakum Deenakum. Allah Ta'ala has revealed this ayat, I have perfected for you your deen now. So Hajj was performed at this time, when the laws of deen had already all come through. And when this grand gathering of Sahaba was present, more than a hundred thousand Sahaba joined Nabi Sallallahu Some joined from Madinah Munawwara, some on the way, some came directly to Makkah Mukarramah from their various destinations. Some Muhaddisin say 114,000, some say 124,000, more than 100,000. And this kind of gathering which the world would never ever see again. So this journey of Hajj, this whole journey was a lesson from beginning to end. It was more than a thousand lectures. So Rasulullah announced that he is going to be leaving for Hajj. As soon as this message went out, the Sahaba Ikram in their thousands got ready. Everybody didn't even have a mode of transport. Not everyone had some animal to ride. Those who had nothing set out on foot. From Madinah Munawwara, they set out on foot for Makkah Mukarramah. Together with Rasulullah and the Sahaba. The love for Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the love for Allah Ta'ala obviously, 
that makes a person undertake whatever it is to get closer to Allah and His Rasulullah If that love is genuinely in the heart, then it will make a person walk from Makkah Mukarramah to Madinah Munawara. That same love will wake a person at the time of Fajr. That love will make him leave his business, occupation, profession, whatever, at the time of Zohar Asar. That love will make him keep his gaze low and not look at any haram. That love will make him undertake any difficulty that may come in the path of serving deen. Essentially, it's a matter of love. And this Habai Kiram and their love for Nabi Wasallam, who can match that and who can compare with it? Many of them set out on foot also. In any case, on the 25th of Zulqadah it was, Nabi Wasallam left Bakkah Mukarramah, Madinah Munawwara, and came to Zul Hulayfa, which is known as Biri Ali nowadays. And here Nabi Wasallam put on his ihram. Whatever the procedures are, we are well aware of. Nabi Wasallam came, performed the two rakats of Salah, and made dua, and then he put on his ihram. In putting on his ihram, ihram, we are aware of what is ihram all about, but many times people get confused. Ihram is understood to be the towels that a person wears or the sheets that he wears. That is the clothing of ihram. When a person is in a state of ihram, a male is not allowed to wear any kind of sewn clothing. He has to wear unsewn clothing, meaning sheets. So that is the garments of ihram. Ihram is that niyat with the talbiyah. So the ahadith record that Nabi Wasallam, where he made, where he came into the state of ihram. But now some ahadith mention one point, some mention another point, some mention outside on a hilltop. But the reality is that the muhaddithin with the evidence of various other ahadith explain that on three occasions Nabi Wasallam repeated the talbiyah. One was right at the spot where he performed his two rakats, salah, and then made dua, and then recited the talbiyah. Now, sahaba were in their thousands with him. Some were right there. They heard that, they reported that. Then when he came out, he recited the talbiyah again. Now, those who were outside didn't see what happened inside. They reported it outside. This is where Nabi Sallallahu came into Ihram. Some reported the third point. But in reality, these were all three different points, and on all these points, Nabi Islam decided the Talbiyah. But a very important lesson comes from this. Likewise, one more aspect before taking the lesson. Some say Nabi Islam rode on his camel Qaswa. Some narrations mention Adba. Some mention Kharma. Some mention it a fourth thing. Now, a person who is deciding that he is going to study all this directly on his own. He opens the hadith and he's reading on his own without a teacher, without somebody to guide him. So now he comes about this, somebody is saying one thing, somebody is saying something else. And all this seems to be contradictory. It can either be here or there, it can't be both places. Nauzubillah, he starts losing confidence in the ahadith itself. And then he starts doing his own things. Whereas, this was the reality that all three places Nabi Islam decided the Talbiyah. And all those different names are the same animal. In the light of various ahadiths, this is now reconciled, that in reality there is no contradiction. These are different names of the same animal. A person who doesn't have that knowledge, he decides for himself. What he decides? 
either to discard one and take the other. Or he says all this Na'uzubillah is not reliable anymore. And as a result he gives up his whole direction of deen. Deen came from Nabi Islam to the Sahaba, the Sahaba to their students, and till this day and age this unbroken chain is continuing. And a person who tries to bypass this system and decides to do his own thing, he can only go off the track. Deen has come from heart to heart, books have been the aid. The kitabs have been the tools that facilitated this transfer of knowledge from heart to heart. But if somebody decides to bypass this, he'll go completely somewhere else. In any case, Nabi Sallallahu at the time of the Salbiya, he made dua, and in that dua, one very, very extremely important dua that Nabi Sallallahu made, which was talim for the Ummah. Nabi Sallallahu is making dua, he is masoom, he is sinless, and he's saying, Allahumma ja'alhu hajjan la riya'a fihi wa la sum'a. Allah, make this hajj such a hajj in which there is no ostentation, no showing off and no desire for fame. There must be no showing off in this hajj that a person is doing something to show off. Unfortunately, this creeps into a lot of our ibadat. And Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. We are supposed to be checking within ourselves. We should not be making any kind of judgment on somebody else's intention. But this is something that creeps into many situations. Come Hajj, come Umrah, come Qurbani, that it must become the talk of the town. What I did, what I bought, what I, how I did it. And that obviously totally spoils that ibadat, deprives the person of all the rewards and so out. And Allah forbid, that can even become a means of his difficulty on the day of Qiyamah. So Nabi Islam is making Hajj and he is making this dua, Ya Allah, make this Hajj such that there is no showing off in this, there is no desire for any fame. People go for Hajj for Umrah, this is something that we should be very careful about checking our intention. That is this intention now mixed up, they also go for a holiday at the same time. It was a nice shopping trip also. Then that niyat is now mixed up, it's adulterated. And when it's adulterated, something that's pure, and something adulterated, both can't be the same. Pure gold, and a gold in which some metal is mixed up, there's iron mixed up in it, can't have the same value. Worlds apart. And if it starts getting the niyat of showing off, then everything is gone. So in any case, Nabi Wasallam then left from Zulfulayfa. Here again one lesson is, that Madina Munawwara is where Nabi Wasallam left from. The rewards of performing Salah in Masjid al-Nabawi are well known. And then, after Makkah Mukarramah, this is the most, the greatest masjid. After the Haram Sharif in Makkah Mukarramah, the next in rank is Masjid al-Nabawi, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But the greatest reward is in following what Nabi Islam did, how he did it, where he did it. Now somebody decides, I'll make my talbiyah and come into a haram in Madinah Munawwara in the masjid. MashaAllah, he'll get the reward for that. But the greater reward is in doing it, how Nabi Islam did it. And where he did it. قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهُ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ Allah Ta'ala says to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, announce to them, if you claim to love Allah Ta'ala, then that claim of love must be backed up with اتِّبَاعَ فَاتَّبِعُونِي Follow me. 
at the end result of that will be Allah. Allah Ta'ala will love you and forgive you. Nevertheless, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam then left from Zul Hulayfa and proceeded to Makkah Mukarramah. On this journey, all the Sahaba were present, the Azwaj Mutahharat were also present. The noble wives of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam took them along also. But how did they travel? So they traveled in what was known as a Hawdaj. On the camel back, a Hawdaj, which was a canopy, a kind of closed, like a box. That box used to be loaded onto the camel. So this is how they would travel. And this, they are the Azwaja Mutahharat, they are the noble mothers of the Ummah. But in their travel also, this was maintained. In the state of Ihram, a woman is not allowed to have anything touch her face. Any man also. And a woman will wear normal clothing, but she will not have anything touch her face. For the Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu ta'ala anha, she explains that while we were on this journey of Hajj with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, so now they would be traveling, so to say, as they group, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with the Azwaj Mutahharat. So they would have their faces uncovered. But he says, when you would see some rider approaching, so now rider approaching from a far distance, you can see somebody approaching. He would cover our faces. And when he was out of sight, after he passed us, then we would uncover our faces again. Now they are the Azwaj Mutahharat, they are the most noble woman of the Ummah, the purest woman of the Ummah, and Nabi Wasallam is with, but this is the level of adopting and maintaining the laws of hijab. In any case, this journey carried on. One of the things that happened on this journey was, there was a person by the name of Anjasha. He was a slave, and he was responsible for the camels, for the whole caravan of Rasulullah One of the things that used to happen in that time, that when people would go on journeys, these camels was the way that they normally traveled, camel back and the camel caravan. So there used to be lengthy journeys going on for days. So one of the things that they would do to try and speed up the animals, that somebody with a very melodious voice, he would recite some kind of poetry in a particular manner. It was termed as hudi. So Anjasha started reciting this poetry in a very melodious tone. And the camels started obviously quickening their pace this would have such an effect on the animals that they would start walking at a fast pace and wouldn't even, so to say, feel the exertion. This was the effect of this recitation on those animals. It was a very common thing. So the Anjasha started reciting this poetry and the camel started walking at a pace. In any case, Rasulullah suddenly realized what's going on, that this person is reciting this poetry, that's why this, he told him, O Anjasha, Ruaidaka Sawqaka Bil Qawareer. Literally translated, this means that take it easy with how you drive these glass bottles. Now he was driving the camels along, and on the camels the Azwaja Mutaharat were seated. In the Hodaj, Nabi Islam is saying, be careful about, take it easy about how you drive these glass bottles. It's comparing the Azwaja Mutaharat, meaning woman in general, 
to glance. One explanation the muhaddithin give of this is, that look, you're going to now read this, recite this hudi, and the camels are now going to be speeding up, and can sometimes maybe cause somebody to get hurt, because women are naturally a little more weaker, so somebody might get bummed, somebody could fall off, so that would become a problem. That's one explanation that is given for this. Many muhaddithin explain that there's a different meaning to this. That when Anjashah started reciting this poetry in this very melodious way, Nabi Sallallahu cautioned him, stop this. Why? Because you're driving camels at the moment, but at the moment there are women seated on these camels. And their hearts are very sensitive compared to men in general. And it is possible that somebody's heart gets affected by this melodious recitation. Now, whether that would have happened or not, that's not the point. Nabi Sallallahu was teaching a lesson for the Ummah. Like the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala commands the Sahaba Ikram that if you have to ask of some necessity from the Azwaj of Mutahharat, وَإِذَا سَأَلْتُمُهُنَّ مَتَاعًا فَاسْأَلُوهُنَّ مِنْ وَرَاءِ حِجَابٍ if you are asking the azwaj mutahharat the ummahatul mu'mineen, the mothers of the ummah, but they are not your biological mothers, if you ask some need of them, فَاسْأَلُوهُنَّ مِنْ وَرَاءِ حِجَابٍ Then make sure that barrier is in between, that curtain is there. It's not face to face. ذَلِكُمْ أَطْهَرُ لِقُلُوبِكُمْ وَقُلُوبِهِمْ That this barrier, this parda, this is purer for your heart and their hearts. Now, who could have had purer hearts than the Zawaj Mutaharat? And who could have had purer hearts than the Sahaba Ikram? So it's not that there was any chance of something happening, but this was the standard that was set for the whole Ummah till Qiyamah. That if these pure personalities are addressed in this way, who in the 20th century can claim better purity than them? So this applies 1000 times more to them. The same manner, this is what Nabi Salaam is explaining. That whether this can happen now or not, that's not the point. But as a principle, that somebody might get affected by this melodious recitation. Now somebody is reciting for the sake of speeding up the animals. The most purest of women are sitting on those camels. And together with them, Rasulullah Salaam is present. And Nabi Salaam is cautioning, watch, this can have an effect on the hearts. So what about in this time and age, Somebody who is not even perhaps apparently dindar, he is reciting some very, very melodious anashid, and together with that, whatever else, all the background things that carry on. Can this not affect somebody? Can this not affect some woman's heart? Not can it not? It happens. And these kind of questions come up then. That now my heart got carried away, what do I do now? How do I get these thoughts out? And with my husband also, these thoughts are coming. These are unfortunate realities, tragic realities. So these are things that we learn directly that this already was the doors to this were closed by Rasulullah. Unfortunately, we leave it open or we open it, we face the consequences then. Then, in any case, Nabi continued with the discussion of the Hajj itself. He was on the way. And at some point, the camel of Hazrat Safiya radiallahu ta'ala anha, one of the Ummahatul Mu'mineen, something happened, he got sick, and he just couldn't walk anymore. So she became very, very 
affected by this, she started crying now that journey is still to carry on and now her transport, her animal is now incapable of continuing with the journey. So Nabi Sallallahu stopped at that point and camped for the night. The next morning, Zainab bin Tajjah, she also was with, all the Azwaj Mutaharat were with, she had a spare camel. These are just all the lessons that come from this journey. She had a spare camel. Nabi Salaam said to her, why don't you lend the spare camel to Safiya? Now she was a co-wife and this natural rivalry that happens with, within co-wives between them. But on the spur of the moment one comment came out, one statement came out. But these things were made to happen from the Sahaba so that we will learn a lesson. They were put through these situations so that the Ummah will learn a lesson. The statement that came out of her tongue was that must I give my camel to that Jewess because she was, her lineage was from the Bani Israel. Nabi Salaam became very upset at this. We become upset when something is not done in terms of our preferences. But the laws of deen, the command of Allah Ta'ala is trampled, that doesn't create any stir in our hearts. But if our preferences are trampled, I didn't get my food the way I wanted, or my clothing wasn't arranged the way it should, I like it, or somebody disturbed my peace in the house, then that would be a very major thing. The laws of Allah Ta'ala are broken, Nabi Islam Sunnah is being trampled, that won't create any stir, Allah forbid, this is a very, very serious situation, it's a complete upside down situation. Here Nabi Islam is teaching a lesson to the Ummad, that this was a very, very serious thing. This was a comment against somebody, a very negative comment, and somebody who is now a mu'mina, she has iman in her heart, and she's been called a Jewess. Nabi Sallallahu for that rest of that journey, she didn't talk to Hazrat Zainab anha. And upon returning also, it was almost two months later only, that he then normalized the situation. And shortly thereafter, few weeks thereafter, Rasulullah Sallallahu left this dunya already. But the lesson that he was impressing upon everybody, this was just, not just for her, that to make any kind of comment against somebody, to hurt somebody's feelings in this way, to belittle somebody, to humiliate someone, all these things are taken for granted, whereas they are very, very serious things. They are things that can cause a person to lose all his amal. And therefore, Nabi Islam emphasized it in such a dramatic way, as you may call it, in such a serious way, that for two months almost, he stayed away from Hazrat Zainab Radiallahu Rasulullah Sallallahu finally came to Makkah Mukarrama and he reached Makkah Mukarrama on the 5th of Zul Hijjah. Thereafter, he remained in Makkah Mukarrama for those few days. The Sahaba were all good. And then on the 8th of Zul Hijjah, Nabi Sallallahu came to Mina. After the Ishra, the Duha Salah, Chash Salah, as we know about it, performed the Chash Salah and then left from Makkah Mukarrama and came to Mina. And in Mina, Nabi Sallallahu then performed the Zuhar, Asar, Maghrib, Isha and the Fajr of the next morning. In Mina, Nabi Sallallahu 
addressed the Sahaba Ikram on several occasions. And then the next morning he left from Mina for Arafat. Now in the times of Jahiliyyah, Hajj used to take place in that time also. Because this had come down from Ibrahim So they used to do their own thing, their own kind of Hajj. But the Quraysh way, the leaders, they would come up to Muzdalifah. They wouldn't go beyond Muzdalifah and go to Arafat. They would stop there. Why they would stop there? The real reason was that they just wanted that distinguished position. We are different. We don't join the crowd. This is all for the lower class. They must go to Arafat. And the apparent thing that they would say is that, look, because we are the Quraysh, we can't come out of the boundaries of the Haram. The boundaries of the Haram finish of here by Muzdalifa, we can't cross this line. So therefore we are forced to stay here. We whereas there was no such thing to start off with, that was something that is made up. But actually what they wanted was a distinguished position. Now when Nabi Islam is going for Hajj, so this was something that had always happened from the Quraysh. They thought the same would be done by Nabi Islam as well. But Allah's Nabi Islam went past. And he went all the way to Arafat. And broke this custom of Jahiliyyah. And in this was this lesson. Number one, that a person should not try to make any kind of distinguished position for himself. He wants to be standing out in the crowd. He wants to have a very, very distinguished position for himself. Everybody must look at him differently and give him a special... That must never be his desire. It must never be his effort. He must be wanting to be one of everyone. So this is the one very big lesson. And in this, in the Quran Sharif also, وَمَا أَنَا The Quran Sharif also, Nabi Sallallahu is being told to explain that I'm just one of the believers. Whereas he was the greatest of all. After Allah Ta'ala is the greatest rank of Rasulullah Sallallahu Yet he says that I call towards Allah Ta'ala Ana wa man And I am just from one of the Muslims. I am just one ordinary person. Whereas he was such a great personality. This is a lesson for us to humble ourselves. The other thing is all the customs of jahiliyat are things that are meant to be abandoned. We should not be clinging on to any jahiliyat. Nabi Sallallahu broke these things of jahiliyat. Sometimes there are customs when weddings come, other occasions come. There are customs which just got picked up somewhere. They got no link to the Quran and Sunnah. There's no virtue in it. Forget virtue. In fact, much of it is sometimes sinful also. Something that is customary. But the person doesn't do it and then he's in big trouble. The whole community and the family and everybody now will start commenting about it. You had this wedding but there was no mendi party. So now that mendi party, that no, the, they didn't put the red on their hands. Everybody's seeing red for that. that. This person broke the custom. All this is a kind of jahiliyat. Mendi itself, Nabi Sallallahu encouraged it for the woman. But it wasn't something associated with that wedding occasion. Somebody did it, fine, they just did it. But to make a function of it, make it a customary thing, without this, that wedding won't go right. That's where the custom comes in. And that is the problem. That there are many, many things that come in weddings, in funerals. On many occasions, there are things that are done. 
which are just customary, but not just customary, sometimes they're crossing the line of Shariat also. So the lesson we learn here, Nabi Sallallahu broke these aspects of Jahiliyyat. Nabi Sallallahu came to Arafat, and Arafat he spent the day there, and this day was filled with dua. The thing that happens in Arafat, that the Zuhar and Asr Salah, Nabi Sallallahu performed it together. Whereas, Zuhar is performed in Zuhar time, Asr is performed in Asr time, but the Arafat, Zuhar and Asr was performed together in the time of Zuhar. Why? The Muhaddisin explained to keep the time available thereafter continuously till sunset for dua. And the Muhaddisin have calculated that perhaps the total time that was spent in dua on Arafat, Nabi Sallallahu made dua for almost five hours. Five hours of dua and at times his hands would raise so high that his, the lower part of his arm would become visible. And he made dua and dua and dua. One of the duas that Nabi Sallallahu made was to Allah Ta'ala, among all the duas was that the oppressor also be forgiven, the zalim of the ummah also be forgiven. But this dua was not accepted. That the zalim of the ummah will be forgiven, this dua wasn't accepted. Can we imagine, it's Arafat, Nabi Sallallahu making dua, the Sahaba are present, and this dua that the zalim of the ummah to be forgiven, that wasn't accepted. In any case, Nabi Sallallahu then came to Muzdalifa, and in Muzdalifa again he spent that night in dua, and here again he repeated that dua, and here nevertheless this was granted. Now we've heard about this, we read about it in the Kitabs of Fazail, but it's extremely important to understand what this means. The one aspect to bear in mind is that this dua that the zalim of the ummah be forgiven was not even granted in Arafat, which highlights what a major thing zulm is, what a serious thing oppression is. Oppression in whichever form it might be. We discussed some of it at the time of Jumu'ah. Whether it is oppressing somebody in terms of his wealth, in terms of his dignity and honor, whether he is oppressing him in any way. But in any case, Allah Ta'ala's fazal and karam that Allah Ta'ala granted this dua in Muzdalifa. But what does this mean? means that a person did something, whether it was in his ignorance, whether it was out of his neglect, whatever the case is, he oppressed somebody. Maybe he took somebody's wealth wrongfully, usurped somebody's wealth, inheritance wasn't given properly, whatever the issue might be. He swore at someone, broke somebody's heart. Now when he came to his realization, if it was a wealth issue, a money issue, he doesn't even have anything now, he's down and out. He just doesn't have anything to pay back. And in that situation his life went now. He never had the ability to now undo the wrong. And he passed away. He made Toba istighfar, but to practically undo the wrong, and the person didn't forgive it also. So now what happens now? So Allah Ta'ala will forgive him inshallah. He made Toba istighfar, and it was beyond his capacity thereafter to have corrected the wrong. Inshallah he'll get forgiven on the day of Qiyamah. And Allah Ta'ala will compensate the person who was oppressed from his side. The person had done something to somebody, now he came to his senses, that person passed away. What is going to ask forgiveness? Who is going to ask forgiveness from? That person is gone. But now he came to his senses, so he's making toba, istighfar, 
and he's making dua for the person, making isale sawab for him. On the day of Qiyamah, inshallah, because he now came to it, but just that he couldn't do anything about it now. That person is gone. Whatever he could do, make dua for him, give sadaqah on his behalf, he did all that. Inshallah, he'll get forgiven on the day of Qiyamah. But the person oppressed somebody, took his wealth away, harmed him in some way, and he says, don't worry, already the dua was made for me in Muzalifa. I'm sorted out. He's going around making zulm upon people and saying, my dua is already sorted out. No, no, that's not sorted out. That person will pay back with the currency of his amal. The Hadith Sharif in, in Shami it is mentioned that a person who has harmed somebody for a few dirhams, 700 accepted salah will be given in lieu of that. 700 accepted salah. Allah knows best how many of our salah we can have any kind of hope that indeed it was of that level. We can only just hope Allah that out of his karam and fazal will accept it. So in any case, this was a very important lesson that came on this occasion when Nabi Sallallahu made so much of dua but this dua was then granted in Muzdalifa. After Muzdalifa, Nabi Sallallahu then returned to Mina where the Jamarat were pelted etc. And then Nabi Sallallahu slaughtered a hundred camels. This was the display of the shukr to Allah Taala. And these hundred camels Thereafter that command was, that instruction was given that a piece of the meat of each of these camels must be taken and put into that pot together and cooked and Nabi Sallallahu partook of that. The sunnah on the occasion of Eid al-Fitr is that before proceeding to the Eid Salah somebody, something sweet be eaten. Some dates, whatever it is, in an odd number. But in Eid al-Adha, Nabi Sallallahu would not eat anything until he returned from the Eid Salah and the first thing he would consume on that day would be something from the Qurbani animal. And according to some ahadith, it is mentioned that it would be from the liver. One of the apparent reasons for this is that this is the quickest to prepare. It gets prepared quickest. So, the point in it, but nevertheless, is that this is to highlight the barakat that is there in this animal, in its meat. This was sacrificed for Allah wa ta'ala on such an occasion. Many people don't want to have anything to do with that animal. Say, no, no, it's some, you get some smell in this and whatever else, I don't want to touch it. This is something we should bring ourselves to partake of it. This is something which is filled with burqan. And Nabi Sallallahu partook of it, he couldn't partake of a hundred camels obviously, but in this way all were cooked in one pot and something he took from that pot, it's as if he ate from all the hundred camels. So this was something that happened on that occasion. Then Nabi Sallallahu completed the rest of the rites of Hajj and he then returned to Madinah Manawara. This is now just shortening it. There were many, many things that happened in this time. But these are the lessons that we, some of the lessons obviously, many of these things are aspects that are related to our day-to-day lives. And these are things that we should be thinking about, pondering on, Bringing our lives in accordance with the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi these lessons were given on Hajjatul Wada. It was given even on many other occasions, like the lesson we discussed in the time of uh, at the time of Jumu'ah. Nabi sallallahu gave those various khutbahs and he addressed the Sahaba about various aspects. One of the aspects he told him that fear Allah Taala regarding your woman, your wives. Then he mentioned the rights. That as far as the women are concerned, 
they have rights upon you and likewise you have rights upon them. One of the rights Nabi also mentioned now, that your right upon them is that they don't allow anybody to enter your home who you disapprove of. Any non-mahram in your absence. In your absence, no non-mahram should enter your home. Now this was something that used to happen in Jahiliya. Anybody, whoever it is, some neighbor, some... Any non-mahram too would come knock on the door, the husband is not even present. He would come inside, he would sit and have a casual conversation. All this jahiliyat was abandoned and totally abolished. That the segregation of the genders will be upheld. There won't be any intermingling of non-mahrams. Nowadays, unfortunately, some people who try to do the right thing, they get the pressure from the entire community, family, what this person is doing is breaking family ties. The person who is doing what is correct, he becomes labeled as the one breaking family ties. And the person who is doing wrong, and that person is the one maintaining family ties. This is again totally putting everything upside down. And then the other thing Nabi Islam said to them is that the woman they write upon you is that you provide for their food, for their shelter, for their clothing. The responsibility of providing for that family is the husband. It's on his head. And the wife, when Hazrat Fatima radiallahu got married, Nabi Islam said to Hazrat Ali radiallahu Whatever pertains to outside the house, your responsibility. For the Fatima, whatever pertains to inside the house, your responsibility. And when there was this distinct roles that were given to each party, and this was upheld, then that home continued very smoothly. But when everybody became the husband, everybody is outside, then inside also everybody had to become the wife. Tonight is my turn to attend to the child, tomorrow is your turn. And now every person is, I'm too tired, you too too tired. So the child finally, commercial care. Everybody is working, so the child commercial care. It grows up with commercial values. So this pure life that Deen taught us, which Rasulullah set this foundation for it. This is the recipe for success in dunya also. This is the recipe for success in every facet of life. And obviously the recipe for the success of Akhirat. So these are all aspects that we learn from these various ahadith, from these khutbat that we presented. These are lessons to implement in our lives. These are lessons to bring alive in the ummah. And in this way we will get the good of dunya also. And the everlasting good of the Akhirat. May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala grant us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alam. اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكوننا من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عنا تعلم إنك أنت الأعز الأكرم ربنا توفنا مسلمين وألحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين غير خزايا ولا نداما ولا مفتونين اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان وحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك يا مصرف القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على طاعتك اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم 
ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم انت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوه الا بالله العلي العظيم اللهم اغفر لامتي سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم ارحم امه سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اهد امه سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ربنا تقبل منا انك انت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا انك انت التواب الرحيم صلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد واله وصحبه اجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين